Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners, and I want to thank, with a big, big, huge heart for you, John, Scott, Terry, Valerie, Heather, Ed, Ginny, Jennifer, Kristen, otherwise known as Kay, and Glenn. Thank you so much for your support of the show. If you've never donated to the show before, or if you have and it's been a long time, please consider it. You'll find links in the show notes or find ways to donate at thebittersweetlife.net. Short on money? You can always help the show out right now by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or quickly texting a friend right now, one friend, and just say, hey, I've got a new podcast for you. Welcome to The Bittersweet Life, a show about living abroad and moving home. And more than that, it's a deep exploration of what it means to live, to truly be alive. Your host, Tiffany Parks, is a childhood friend of mine. She lives in Rome, Italy. She moved there from the United States 16 years ago. And me, I'm Katie Sewell. I was a short-term expat for a time, living in Italy, right down the street from Tiffany. And then I moved home to Seattle, Washington. That's where I am now. So you are in the right place. If you love Italy or travel, if you're thinking about moving abroad or lived in a foreign place in the past, this is a show infused with art and literature and history. It's a show about life, and we're glad you're here. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Tiffany, still with a broken computer in her large echoey room over in Rome, Italy. Katie in her office in Seattle. Uh, Both of us, probably like you listening, perhaps, are just getting back into the swing of things after taking some time off and traveling during the summer. And last week, if you haven't listened to last Monday's episode, Tiffany highly recommended that if you don't need to travel internationally right now, don't. (laughs) But she did travel internationally. She came from Italy back home to the United States to visit her family, her mother and her sisters. And we ran out of time last week before we got to talk about her impressions. Now, you had not been back to the United States for a couple of years, mm-hmm. in part because of COVID. Mostly because of COVID. Yeah, and but I'm also always interested to hear anybody who's moved abroad and lived abroad for quite some time. It can be a bit of a reverse culture shock when you come back into the culture you were raised in. And so I'm always interested in the impressions of people who go back home for a time and see their country with new eyes. I, it's funny because we've talked about this before, but I feel like every time I go, I have new impressions of things that I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what in the world is that all about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and of course, you're coming back into a, uh, a COVID United States, uh, which is a different place than what you came back to last time. Yeah, it really, really is. Yeah. And I think that that I wasn't... I mean, of course, I knew intellectually that, yes, this pandemic is all over the world and in the United States as well. But like I wasn't as prepared for the differences that I would notice from not just from Italy to America, but like from America now to America as I used to know it, because everywhere changes. You know, even I noticed 
changes in Italy from the, when I moved here to now. And so every time I go back to the States, some things have changed from my last time. Yeah, yeah. It's like a record skip. You missed part of the song and now you're seeing where we're, where we're at at the moment. Exactly. So what were some of the things that stuck with you? Well, I'll just tell you the very, very first thing I noticed was how cold it is everywhere <laughs> inside. Like, I mean, it's freezing cold everywhere inside. Oh, because of the air conditioning. Yeah. So we ended up in New York because if you haven't listened, go back to last week, we got stuck in New York for a night unexpectedly. And we were at the airport hotel having dinner in the airport bar. We sat down at a table and all of a sudden we were like, oh my gosh, we're right under the air conditioning. It's freezing. <laughs> and so we're like, let's go sit on the other side of the room. So we get up and we go to the other side of the room and there's another air conditioning duct on the other side. And we're like, oh my God, it's freezing. So we move to the middle of the room. We find a place to sit. We're still freezing anyway. And like we're moving ourselves around at the table to like try to find a spot that has the least amount of air conditioning directly hitting us. <laughs> I know everybody out there is laughing because they're like, oh, you know, Italians can't handle air conditioning. This was not Italian grade air conditioning. This was like super high intensity walking through a blizzard air conditioning. <laughs> it was so cold that I had, I brought with me, and I mean, it was one of those last minute travel things that you grab and you're like, thank God. I brought like a really warm hoodie sweatshirt with me. And coming from Rome in August, I mean, that stuff is usually packed away in your basement because mm -hmm. you will not need that for several months. You won't even need like a long sleeve, lightweight t-shirt. So I'm like, let me, let me bring this though, because, you know, I knew we were going to be in Wyoming. I knew it, it could get cold there at night. So I was so happy I had that thing. So I pull it out. I put it on. I put the hood up on it. I put on Aurelio's hoodie, put the hood up. Claudio, who didn't have a hoodie, gets out his windbreaker, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he puts on his windbreaker. I was like, put the hood up. Who cares what you look like? You're going to get sick if you don't. <laughs> How is it that Americans don't get sick from the intense air conditioning? I don't know. That's your Italian belief that you'll get sick by having cold air blowing on you. But I, it has happened to me. Well, it has literally happened that I have gotten bronchitis. And of course, obviously, I know that that's, you know, you have to have some kind of, is it viral or bacterial? I'm not sure which bronchitis is. But you have to have some kind of infection. But the point is you, you, you're weakening your system to the point that any infection that you come across is going to attach itself to you with a vengeance. Whereas... If you hadn't weakened your system by all the cold air, the virus would have just gone on its merry way. Hmm. Uh, see, I don't know if that's scientifically accurate, but anybody who's like a infectious disease expert, feel free to let us know about that. I mean, we've also learned a lot about air circulation and the passage of diseases through venting. So, Well, you know, Italians are really big on like opening the windows in the house. Claudio and I, we, we open the windows in the wintertime, some of the windows are open almost all the time. And again, unless it's like the middle of summer and it's so hot that one window open is going to destroy the... Because we air condition our house, okay? We don't live with zero air conditioning. We have air conditioning. We just don't want it blowing yes. full force okay. directly on us all the time. But anyway, that was my first impression. And my second impression, same moment, was just the massive quantity of ice in the water. <laughs> 
And we've talked about this before, but it's yes. seriously like I appreciate some ice in my water. So does Aurelio. Aurelio loves ice water. But if you've got so much ice, you can drink all the water in two gulps and there's nothing left but ice. What's the point of that? It's true. Then the ice just hits you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we've talked about it in the reverse direction about how much I miss ice every time I'm in Italy. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, that's the thing when you when you really become like bicultural, you miss things in both directions. I was out with some friends at a bar, at a little coffee bar, out in the middle of the day, in the middle of, you know, the hot early September. And, you know, I asked for a bottle of sparkling water and she brought it to me and she brought me the glass, no ice. And she brought me the still water bottle, room temperature. Mm -hmm. And it was like swelteringly hot out. And I was like, um, can you bring some ice? And she was like, oh, like it hadn't even occurred to her. Like, it was almost like an odd request. Mm -hmm. So I do get it. I get it on both sides. And that's one of the, the, maybe the drawbacks. So what we need to find, and maybe one of you is living in this spot right now, we need to find the country that has the perfect balance (laughs) of ice (laughs) and all move there. Yeah. Yeah. The just right of ice. Yes. So if you have a nomination, please do let us know. Let us know. Yes. Okay, so that's fair. Those are both very good, for sure. I mean, me and my sister were just joking about this. I went to visit her in Montana, and we were just joking about how, well, when we used to go to South Carolina to visit my grandmother, that you did have to pack a jacket because every time you walked into anywhere, it was going to be absolutely freezing cold. And that's kind of vice versa. She was saying in Montana, it's vice versa in the winters. She barely needs a jacket because she's going to get out of her car and walk into the restaurant where she's meeting her friends. And the restaurant's going to be so hot Uh that she's going to just have to shed multiple layers until she's down to practically a tank top and jeans. It goes in both directions. Absolutely. And my father-in-law often teases me because I don't like to be cold, you know, particularly in the wintertime. I like to have the heat on in the winter, at least somewhat. Sure. Me too. Yes. I don't like to be cold indoors. And he always laughs and says, and this is the girl who said she lived in Montreal. Uh-huh. Like as if he doesn't believe it. And I'm like, in Montreal, it is so hot indoors. Yeah. Well, you're only cold when you're outside. Yeah. All right. So what else? You were in multiple places, too, across the country. That's another thing, that it does change from place to place. But one thing I noticed, particularly in Park City, Utah, Mm -hmm. but also in Burbank, California, groceries are insanely expensive. Mm. Fruit and veg are insanely expensive. Yeah, so give us an example. I mean, I definitely saw like a small package of Pepperidge Farm cookies on sale for four something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have to remind myself it's dollars. It's not euros. So it's a little bit less, but it's not that much less. I think the exchange rate is like around 87 cents right now. You know, things like that. And yeah, grapes. Grapes are like eight bucks for yeah. a bag of grapes or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah, it's because it's by the weight. Yeah. And it's often by the weight in Rome, too. It's just priced better reasonably. It's like 10 cents per pound. Like well, that. I don't know if it's that cheap, but there are certain things that are dirt cheap. Carrots are dirt cheap. I buy, I only ever buy like two carrots at a time mm-hmm. because it's the only vegetable that I really will eat. So I'll buy him like two carrots and I know they'll be good as long as it takes him to eat them. 
And it's usually about 20 cents for two carrots. Right. Same price roughly for celery. Celery is really cheap. Herbs are really cheap. Peppers, a little more expensive peppers. And cherries as well. Cherries can get pricey. But, you know, most things are really reasonable, especially produce, fresh produce, and staples as well, like your breads. If you go and buy like a big loaf of freshly made bread... I'm not necessarily talking about a specialty bakery, but like the bakery section of your supermarket. Mm -hmm. I buy this Sicilian bread that is amazing. And it's like a huge loaf. And we slice it up and freeze it because we couldn't possibly eat it before it goes bad because it's fresh bread. But it's like, I don't know, like maybe a euro 20, Mm. a euro 40 for this huge loaf of freshly made bread. Ah, Well, see, we have a bread bakery here in Seattle that I absolutely love and their loaves of bread are probably more like 550 590 somewhere in there that's a lot of money for a loaf of bread it is a lot of money for a loaf of bread yeah and the herbs are so expensive that's why we've actually started growing them outside (laughs) that was smart they can grow like weeds here particularly in Seattle Seattle's just sort of known for Every single person has a rosemary bush in their yard. Yeah. There's so much rosemary. Just take a walk and you can grab a sprig or two and nobody's going to come outside and beat you up over it. So then when you go to the store and you see the little hermetically sealed packages of herbs, rosemary, and it's like two sprigs in there for five something or whatever. Who buys that? Yeah, that's just nuts. Well, who buys it? And and certainly in Seattle, why do they even bother? Yeah. No, in Rome, like I can get, you can get a huge huge i call it like a bouquet it's like bouquet size like a bouquet of parsley if you can imagine that it's like 99 cents if you take you know just as much as you need what i need which is like just as much parsley as i can use before it goes bad it's usually about eight cents Mm -hmm. right (laughs) and i mean parsley is just one small thing and i think it's such a huge staple of the of the italian diet parsley and basil that they couldn't possibly make it expensive Mm mm-hmm but, you know, even things like olive oil, obviously you can get fancy, super fancy olive oil, as you know, mm-hmm. because I helped your husband pick out, or not pick out, but facilitate a purchase of Italian olive oil and shipment of Italian olive oil for Christmas last year. Yes, yes. It's almost gone, by the way, so I might have to hit you up again. Oh. <laughs> so, yes, you could buy the super, super fancy olive oil, but even like decent supermarket olive oil 100% Italian you can get it for maximum 10 euros for like a two liter bottle or something maybe Mm -hmm. a liter and a half but anyways I was just shocked at the prices in the supermarket and not just the prices of food but the prices of toilet paper and paper towels and napkins and feminine hygiene products and how do how do people like afford and I don't know well the salaries are quite a bit higher so maybe that's how people afford it well and we do have a lot of people who don't eat very well for that very reason yeah for sure because there are subsidized food and like a lot of the junk food stuff costs so much less that's that's part of the problem over here yeah it is part of the problem and actually that leads me to another thing that Claudia and I like were really really commenting about during our trip we came to sort of a a conclusion about food culture in the United States versus Italy. Mm. What we think, and if it's just our opinion as non-foodies, we are neither of us are true foodies, it seems like in the United States, with the exception of major cities, 
there's almost zero food culture. What do you mean by food culture? I mean, the sort of innate knowledge of what is healthy and what is good for you and what is good, period, just good, good tasting mm -hmm. and, and genuine and authentic. And I mean, when we're in LA, just like when you're in Seattle, many, many cities in the United States, you can get incredible food. You can get food that is fantastic in all different types of cuisines and fusion cuisines. But when you're in small towns, from what we experienced, we could not get any decent food. And we are not food snobs, okay? I just want to put that out there. And we do not have to get Italian food. We're happy with whatever kind of food, as long as it's authentic, as in, genu as in, as in it's food. It's not something fake, something totally processed yeah. to the point that it doesn't even taste like food anymore. And I feel like when I say food culture, I feel like what I mean is that Italians are raised and have been raised for so long that it's like part of their DNA. They recognize what genuine good food is. They just know what it is. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a very small town in the middle of nowhere in Italy, you are going to get amazing food. Now, it's not going to be fancy but it's going to be good. And it's going to be maybe even better than fancy food elsewhere. Mm -hmm. The old grandma who's got like a sixth grade education is going to just know how to make really good, simple pasta dishes and meat dishes as well. And these recipes have just been passed down generation to generation and they're not particularly complicated. It's not like French food where it's so complex that and the average person could never do it. It's just really simple and really genuine. And the ingredients that they use are good, just, just very high quality. And I feel like in the United States, there is also high quality ingredients, but n not many people are getting those high quality ingredients. And it just struck me so much because we were driving through the countryside for so much of the trip, especially when we were driving from Wyoming back down to Utah. When we drove back down, we took a different route that was much more agricultural. And we passed through so many farms and there were so many free range cows just grazing. I was very surprised at how many cows in the United States are just grazing free range, grass fed, you know, you can tell. And I said to Claudia, I said, you know what the ironic thing is, with the exception of maybe like that farmer who owns that farm, the majority of the people who live in this area are not eating the beef from those cows and they're not drinking the milk from those cows. They're drinking the crap, the cheap crap that they're getting at their supermarket, mm -hmm. which is not local and it's not grass fed, you know, and it's definitely not pasture raised. That's so backwards from the way that it should be. At the very least, you should be eating the good products that are grown where you live. And that's something that Italy has. Like if you are from Sardinia, or you are eating good fresh fish. If you are from... Emilia-Romagna, where they make the prosciutto, like you are eating the best prosciutto in the world. You're not eating the stuff from China. You might eat other stuff that's not good, but the stuff that is made in your hometown, you are eating that stuff. So that really struck me. And I just really felt like there's no real true American cuisine. I'm going to probably get a lot of backlash for saying this because I used to argue the opposite because my father-in-law, again, bringing up my father-in-law tonight, he used to like say, oh, American, in America, all they eat are hamburgers. It's like, that's the American cuisine. That's what they eat. They eat hamburgers. And I'd be like, what are you talking about in America? They eat everything. They eat, you know, Mexican food and they eat 
Far Eastern food and they eat Middle Eastern food and every type of food, like you can get everything. And while that is true, take away all of the foreign influence. What are you left with? What is the true, beyond Thanksgiving dinner, what is the true American cuisine? Besides hamburgers and sandwiches, I couldn't really come up with anything. Maybe breakfast, something from breakfast. True, maybe breakfast food. Eggs and toast and bacon. But that's also like huge in Britain as well. I know, but their version of it, it's different. Well, they have beans. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. They have beans. Yes. But I was thinking about this and... (laughs) And then we we went to Yellowstone National Park, Mm. one of the most beautiful places I have ever been. Yeah. Have you been there? Yes. Do you know where this is going? I'm just guessing in my head where it's going, but yes, go on, (laughs) go on. Well, we spent two nights there, about two and a half days. In the lodge, right? In the lodge. By Old Faithful? No, there are several lodges. Okay. We actually stayed by the lake, at the Yellowstone Lake Hotel. Okay. And we had read somewhere that the the best food in Yellowstone Park was at the Yellowstone Lake Hotel. Mm. But because of COVID and because of low staffing, you can't get a table. And I had tried to book the nights we were there, book dinner in the hotel, but they were sold out like a month in advance. So where are we going to eat first night, you know? And we found like a little... They told us at our hotel, okay, if you go to the Lake Lodge, which is just down the road, they have cafeteria-style food there. Okay, that's fine. Let's go there. So we go there, and what it is is a fast food restaurant. I mean, it was slightly higher, I wouldn't even say quality, in like the look and the all of that, sort of like the packaging, slightly higher quality than to like a typical fast food. But it was basically fast food. It was hamburgers. Mm-hmm. There was hardly anything beyond hamburgers available. And so we're like, okay, that's great. You know, there was actually a veggie burger on the menu. So I was thrilled, but it was just so bad. Just the quality was so bad. And we're like, okay, well, it's fine. We'll, you know, we're definitely going to get some other good meals while we're here. Luckily I had packed like a cooler. So I had lunch stuff while we were there. So we, we just made sandwiches for lunch. But for dinner the second night, it was basically the same thing. I think we were at, I think we were at Old Faithful. And we're trying to time it to see, you know, Old Faithful shooting up. And we were running around waiting for it. You know, we've got this kid who needs to eat, you know, and all this stuff. And we go into the cafeteria. It was awful, Katie. Like, I can't even describe the food that was in there. We can't eat here. We can't. I said, let's just go back to the hotel. And they had instituted a buffet at the hotel literally the second night we were there. They had decided to institute a buffet since they had such low staffing. That was the first night, and it was first come, first serve, no reservations. We're definitely going to wait in line like an hour and a half, but let's just go because we can't eat in this cafeteria. So as we're pulling out of the Old Faithful parking lot, we saw the Old Faithful, beautiful, amazing. He's like, what's that? And Claudio said, it says something, something grill. And I was like, it's a restaurant. It's not a cafeteria, Claudio. It's a restaurant. We got to go there. So we go in, we wait in line outside. It's like we didn't even see what it was like inside. There was no seating, by the way, at any of the restaurants, except I think there was at the Lake Hotel. But um, at this restaurant, there wasn't any. So you'd have to, you had to like sit outside on like picnic tables. And so I finally get in 
And it's the same exact food as at the cafeteria by our hotel the night before. Exactly. The menu looks different. The names are different. The prices are... But it's basically the same food. Yeah. And it was even worse. And I got Aurelio a chicken burger with no bun because he will not eat a bun, but he'll eat the chicken. And when I looked at that thing, I was like, this child is not going to eat this. There is no way he's going to eat this. Mm. He ate it. I guess he was hungry enough. But I mean, it was it was even worse than the night before. So fast forward to, for slow forward, to the last day we were in Yellowstone, which is the following day. And I said, look, we got to have a good lunch today. So let's go to the Lake Hotel, our hotel. It's a buffet. We'll definitely get something. Definitely. So we get there. We put our name on the list. We wait like 45 minutes to get a table. Mm-hmm. We go, it's beautiful, Katie. I mean, this beautiful dining room with beautiful tables and chairs and windows overlooking the Lake Yellowstone. It's just beautiful. But there's very little food. Like you can see the buffet is just like one row of stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just see what it is. So we go up there. Hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) See, it is the national food. Hamburgers. That's why I said, I said, your father is right. It's hamburgers. That's all they eat here. There was mac and cheese. There were hamburgers. The hamburgers were so dark that I thought they were bean burgers because I had seen them on a different menu. I was like, are those bean burgers? They're like, no, 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 those are beef. Really? They were like almost black. Mm -hmm. And what I thought were the hamburgers were actually the veggie burgers. So I got a veggie burger. Claudio gets a hamburger. Well... We sit down and he takes a bite and he's like, I, I can't eat this. The other hamburgers the nights before he had eaten without complaint, you know, maybe a little bit of a complaint, but he's like, I can't, I, I can't eat this. He's like, the bun is as hard as a rock and it tastes like it's not real food. And I looked at the bun and I was like, you know what? There's two types of buns up there I saw. Let's just switch. I was like, this is a buffet. All you can eat. I'm just going to get you a new hamburger on a new bun, on a different type of bun. So I switched mine out as well. I got a different bun. So I bring it to him. And I'm like, look, there's, there's salad. And, you know, put some salad, you know, some lettuce on your hamburger. And, you know, it'll be fine. He takes two bites. He's like, I can't. This burger is so burnt. It is so bad. I've just been put off of all food for the next whatever many hours and Aurelio had these chicken tenders they were so hard to cut it was almost impossible to cut these things they were like 90% breading and 10% chicken I don't usually call the manager but I did I didn't actually call the manager I told the waitress the waitress comes by sweet young girl she was probably 20 years old I asked how's everything and I said it's very disappointing actually and her face just went like panic mode this is my second day and I was like okay I know it's not your fault you didn't cook this food and she's like I'll have the manager come over manager comes over I tell her exactly what I told you with a bit less color and she apologized profusely we're just you know experimenting with the buffet and I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and of course she comped the meal so luckily we didn't have to pay for that lunch but I mean I just felt like what the hell Do you really have to be in Seattle or L.A. to get a decent meal? Maybe. Or a city of some kind. Yeah. That really struck me as a main difference between Italy and America is that even if you're in the house of someone who is could be low education, could be low income, it doesn't matter in Italy. They're going to be able to serve decent food. 
I've had that experience in Italy on road trips where we just stop into some road side restaurant in some small town and you're the only customer there and they still make you the most amazing thing ever. I mean, the only thing Italy has that's the equivalent is whatever those auto zones are that are along the side of the road. Oh, the auto grill. Well, yeah. God, no, those that's are like awful. your equivalent. Those are awful. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, what was so funny when we were in the airplane on the Alitalia flight coming back and they served, you know, the one meal ravioli plain food you know plain food is like you know it's plain food he looks to me and he goes this is better than anything we had in yellowstone national (laughs) park and i was like you know you're right it is yeah well we're running out of time is there any other really wonderful observations that you had oh i mean have i been complaining about the us (laughs) (laughs) have i been only saying negative things no well i don't know I guess so. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think back. I'm like, have you? Yeah. Well, it's not really complaining. It's observing. It's observing. And I mean, I I will say this, Katie, and I'm just going to be honest, because if we're not honest on this show, what is the point? Sure. You know, Claudia and I have had thoughts. We've had serious thoughts about moving to the U.S. over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. looking into immigration and all of that stuff. This trip gave us second thoughts. Mm. Um, And it wasn't just the food. It's such a different culture. Despite the fact that I grew up in the United States until I was in my mid-20s, I guess I have become Italianized because there's a lot of reverse culture shock. And there was a lot of things that I would have a really hard time getting used to. Particularly, you know, I say... I said, and I'm going to contradict myself because I said you can only get good food in the big cities. But particularly, I felt like big city life, I don't know if I could take it in the US. Definitely not a New York or an LA. There's no way I could live in either of those two cities. But like, even, you know, a moderately large city, I just don't know. I just feel like when you do go to smaller places, we didn't go to Boise on this trip, but like Boise or I guess Salt Lake City. You do feel like, oh my gosh, there's so fewer people here. Like you feel it intensely. Oh, I don't feel constantly in a crowd. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a COVID thing that has come up for us lately. And of course, Italy is the same uh, in that regard. And I think we just are used to Rome because Rome is also extremely crowded and there's not enough space for the people who live here. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be really hard. And I think he got for the first time how hard it would be to live in the States coming from Italy. And how different it would be. Yeah. And when we got back, I was very, I was very relieved to be home. And not because I didn't have a great time. We had an amazing time and it was totally worth all the hassle. But I used to say, you know, Italy is a wonderful place to be a tourist. And it's kind of an impossible place to live. But I'm starting to see America like that. I'm starting to be like, oh, America's a great place to go on vacation but I couldn't live there. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. That's really interesting. I know. Hmm. Something to explore further, I think, on a future episode, perhaps. Perhaps. And it is hard to take apart, you know, how much of that feeling of being in a city is COVID related, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think we've all like reassessed how we feel about having lots of people around us. Yeah. Well, well, well. So, yes. So, Feel free to send in your observations as well. If you've been taking any trips back home to wherever you were from, we'd love to hear about it. You can always send us an email at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also reach out to us through social media. We're there as well. Yes, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. Yes. And you'll find us. Yes. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Kitty Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Support the show by wearing a Bittersweet Life t-shirt or socks or even a Bittersweet Life face mask. We have merch and you might find your new favorite mug by visiting thebittersweetlife.net. Click on support to explore the merch catalog and have fun. Thank you.